This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast without Doug Brown. Uh, Doug is so big two guys to fill in for him on the on the podcast this week bob irving and ed tate so kind to take some time out of their busy schedule to set up thursday night's game between the blue bombers and the edmonton eskimos the bombers one and oh the eskimos two and zero i'll start with you ed tate is this a terrific opportunity for the bombers and i hate to use this word but i'm going to use it anyway is this an opportunity for the big blue to make a statement yeah, you're right. The, the coaches and players would hate that kind of term, but I use it all the time too. I think, look, early in the year against a divisional rival, uh, your home opener, yeah, you want to make a statement. You've already won one game against the West opponent. So, uh, you know, this team has struggled with its last three or four home openers, has not won. So, yeah, absolutely. You want to uh, start 2019 off right in front of your home crowd. I'd call that a statement game. Last time the Bombers had an opportunity, it came against the Calgary Stampeders, and it didn't exactly go the way the bomb. You know, we were talking about that statement game. There was over 30,000 people in the stadium, Bob. I think you know the game I'm talking about. I do. Well, and I, I'm with Ed. I think uh, this could very well be a statement game. Uh, if the Bombers win it, uh, I think it sends a message to everybody in the league, the Eskimos and the Stampeders in particular, that, hey, all the preseason polls and pundits that have called us to be one of the top teams are accurate. If they lose it, then Edmonton's 3-0, and and the Bombers are 1-1, one and one, and so now it's the uphill climb again to try and get that first-place finish that they want so desperately here to host the Western Final. So, you know, I, I tried to pry it out of Mike O'Shea on our Monday night show. Is this a big game? He said, well, it's a big game because it's the next game. You know, you get that all the time. It's game two of 18, so we can't exaggerate how significant it is. But, uh, yeah, early season, Edmonton, it's a big game. <laughs> it's always a big game against Edmonton. And uh, the Eskimos we'll talk about a little bit more in just a few minutes here. Uh, Ed and I always talk about in the halftime show that Andrew Harris – depending on what he's done in the first half, needs to keep doing what he's doing in the second half, or he needs to find another gear, or they need to find the Blue Bombers need to... I just want to make sure that doesn't stop recording. It doesn't. Sorry, Bob. Sorry, Ed. Um, We know Andrew Harris is a key to the Bombers' success, or lack thereof. So let's talk about something else. What's next on that list? On what's important to the Bombers? After Andrew Harris. Harris. Well, I think the balanced attack is is critical. We saw it in BC in the opener where they rushed for 170, threw for 180, had 24 first downs. It's perfect. You know, and then you look at BC and they can't run for five yards and it's just killing them. So I think the balanced attack, and then I, I believe we're going to see Chris Matthews in this game. I'm fairly certain of that. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what he brings to the offense because I think there's a weapon, and I, I expect Ed might agree, that the Bombers haven't had for a long time. And that's a six foot five inch receiver who can go up and get it and help his quarterback out. So you get lots of speed on offense at the receiver spot, and now you got this great big guy. And so if Harris runs for 100 and you get Matt Nichols to have a his normal solid game, don't give the ball away, it's a beautifully balanced attack, the best in the league by far. 
So the answer is uh, not since Chris Matthews. Have we had a receiver like Chris Matthews right. in the lineup? And uh, Bob is sort of catching on to my trick question that maybe Andrew Harris, there is no other thing because everything, at least on offense, is interdependent. And so it basically runs through Andrew Harris and what he's doing. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of us were a little bit surprised about what the Bombers were able to do on the ground in that game in Vancouver, given the changes in the middle of their old line. And Andrew Harris still ran for 148 yards, over nine yards a carry. But I'm with Bob on the balance. We saw Edmonton comes at you defensively. They're going to bring, they're going to blitz like crazy. They sure did against Mike Riley. Maybe they did because they knew the Lions are so poor at running the ball. I think what the Bombers have established over the last three, three years is that they are balanced. And so we're going to see, even if the passing game is, is going, they never get away from Andrew Harris too much. It's, it, it might not always be with a ball being stuffed into his belly as a, on a carry, but he'll get a lot of screen passes. He's going to be busy, and if he gets 15, 20 catches again, or touches again, I think that uh, it goes a long way to solving what Edmonton tries to do defensively. Mike Riley in the last uh, game, the Bombers season opener, threw for 324 yards against the Bombers defense. 97 of those came on consecutive explosion plays. So I think if you do the math, the defense did a pretty good job, but is the defensive backfield still the one question mark surrounding this team? I would say more work in progress than question mark. I like the pieces back there. Uh, you know, Winston Rose, Chandler Fenner at the corner, Brandon Alexander, and uh, Marcus Sales. Jeff Hecht had a real good game in BC. Uh, I think uh, if that front seven can get some more pressure, and it's tough against Trevor Harris because the ball comes out of his hand so fast, uh, but I, I don't mind what the Bombers have in their secondary, but a lot of what happens on the back end depends on what kind of pressure you can bring up front. So I, I'm not as worried about what happened in, in Vancouver, given it was week one, as some people are with the dreaded explosion plays coming back again. Bob? Well, they gave up, Greg, as you say, the two plays to Burnham that covered almost 100 yards. Other than that, uh, BC had 16 first downs. I'm a big first down guy. To me, if you're not making 20, that's not very good, and you're not holding on to the ball very much. And so they held them to 16 first downs. They held them to 16 points because seven of those points were the kick return. So, I mean, I think the defense started off the season pretty darn well. Now, they'll get a big test against Edmonton because Trevor Harris and that group looked so good in their first two games, albeit against BC and Montreal. <laughs> so this will be a better test for them too. But, no, I like the defense, and I think they'll get better. I don't think they, they didn't get any sacks or any – yeah, they didn't blitz a lot, and I think we'll see more and more of that as we go along. There's a nice segue into what I was thinking next, and how good is this Edmonton team? Do we really know, based on the fact that they played Montreal, and don't want to detract at all from the from the Lions, but they're now 0-2. Do we really have a good sense of how good Edmonton is? You know, Greg, they've had so many changes. It's, it's like uh, it, you're still trying to figure out who goes where with that team because there's been such a makeover in the offseason, and I... I think they've got good pieces, but they were really pushed to the limit against Montreal in week one. Uh, they looked a lot better against uh, BC after a rough start. Uh, you know, I think uh, when you're 2-0, it can gloss over a lot of potential warts. And I, I'm not, I don't predict that they're going to go 18-0 and or they, you know, that they're the class of the West yet because there's still a big question mark for me. So Trevor Harris is the key. He, the ball, again, the ball comes out so fast and he's such a good distributor 
to, to all his weapons. Uh, if they can get some pressure on him, I like what the Bombers could do to that secondary. It's something that Bob and I were talking about earlier in the week. If you can withstand that pressure that they bring, Edmonton's secondary has got some question marks, and that's something that maybe Matt Nichols and company can expose. I know they have a different roster, but it's the same team that went 6-0 and at one point in the season last year, and 0-6 and at a different stretch in the season. So still the same head coach, but that relationship between Jason Moss, Trevor Harris, it's their third stop together in different iterations and different versions. Something special about that potentially, Bob? Well, I think there is, and I, when I look back to the winter when Riley, Mike Riley signed in BC, you know, everybody's going, what are the Eskimos going to do if they lose Mike Riley? Well, it became obvious leading up to the free agency date that they were going to go get Trevor Harris, which they did. So they, they filled that hole beautifully, and yeah, Harris and Moss seem to have a, a connection there, and uh, Trevor Harris, I think, has answered all the questions that there were about him because there have been over the years, but the last two or three years, he just gets better and better and better, and he's not going to be great every week, but he certainly you know, arrived as a, a top-notch quarterback in the Canadian Football League, but Terry Jones in the Edmonton Sun had a great piece this week where he talked about the 2-0 and start, and he reminded everybody that they were, you say 6-0, he said they were 7-0 and last year and wound up 9-9. and We'll go with Terry Jones's. Yeah, which, whichever way, it's a great start, and then they just fell flat. So I think we all have to be really cautious about drawing too much out of early season results. I know you spoke a little bit about this on the coaches show with Coach O'Shea about penalties and discipline and Edmonton has had a difficult time being disciplined. The Bombers had a, a, a stretch like that under Coach O'Shea but they've really got it under control. Very disciplined football. Well I think the release penalized in the last year. Ed Tater certainly close to it and the Eskimos Jason Moss last year kept preaching we've got to stop taking all these penalties and here after two games this year I think they've taken 28 penalties in two games now they won the two games so it kind of glosses over it but that, it's a big thing for O'Shea and he said it on our Monday night show we get, we got to stay away from roughing penalties 15 yarders which could be 25 yarders if the command center decides uh, that way this year and, and those are just killers they, they they keep a team on the field I mean 25 yards wow that's a quarter almost a quarter of the field so yeah, O'Shea will continue to preach that, and he will not tolerate the kind of undisciplined things that the Eskimos continue to do. Now, I'm a little bit of a hockey guy, as you might know, Ed, and fancy stats and analytics have become a big part of, of hockey, but one of the statistics that Coach O'Shea trotted out on the coaches show this week was the fact that 80% of drives that include a 15-yard penalty against you result in a score. And so, to your knowledge, how deep is Coach O'Shea going into the into the stats book to uh, to retrieve stuff like this as examples as to why these things can hurt you so much or why another sort of uh, outcome can be beneficial? I think Mike's got all kinds of those kind of numbers. I know that uh, they've got a the league statistician Steve Daniel does some work for them on the side too for some of these things, and I think. In particular, when it comes to penalties, is what Bob and you were just talking about. I think he's got all that stuff. He certainly knows all the special teams numbers and defense numbers. So, um, look, what we saw Edmonton do to Mike Riley was pretty impressive. But they also took some roughing penalties. We saw Mike Riley have a cut under his eye. So there's a, there's a, a point where you've got to be careful because, yeah, you bring the pressure, but if – you're, you're putting them down on the ground in an illegal manner and the team stays on the field, 
then you might as well not blitz, right? Because as Bob said, it could be 15 or 25 penalties or yards and penalties, and you're just keeping a, a team on the field. So there's a fine line there, and I thought Edmonton crossed it a couple times last week, and maybe a, a better team or a team that's further along in their development might have been able to take advantage of that, and that leads me to maybe that's what happens with Winnipeg Thursday night. You know, one other thing about penalties, too, and these drive me crazy, is the, the penalties on kick returns. And BC in their game against Edmonton, they had penalties on, I think, half of their kick returns. So instead of giving Mike Riley decent field position at the 35-40 yard line, they're back inside their 10 or, or their 15 yard line. And those are the worst. I don't know what's worse. Is the rough play or those penalties on kick returns, which cost you 30, 40, 50 yards of field position? I wish they would calculate them that way, that if you have a 37 or a 47-yard punt or kick return and it costs you 10 yards in the hold, that should be a 47 or a 57-yard penalty in terms of the stats and perhaps some of the coaches look at it that way. But that was the effect of the play. You wiped out a huge play and you moved 10 yards back. Yeah, you mentioned penalties and you mentioned special teams, and that's something that you know the Bombers got caught on that return by Rutley, Brandon Rutley in, in the opener, and I know that's stuck in the craw of a lot of guys here. And so they, their special teams were all over the map. The Bombers had some penalties on special teams too. And then you had Kerfala Exume, the, the rookie who had five special teams tackles. So um, that's, to me, a product of week one, that you're going to be kind of all over the map in terms of discipline and mistakes. And, uh, you know, the Bombers and the Eskimos in combined 3-0 and start here have, again, kind of had some of that stuff masked over by the fact that they get the W at the end of the night. We don't want to make too much or make too little of anything that's going on in the few weeks uh, that the CFL's been back in action. But that's our job is to make too much and too little of things. So we'll continue to do that. Looks like it's going to be a pretty good crowd on Thursday night. And hey, uh, Blue Bombers closing in on 100 penalties. At least they'll tell the crowd that, that they were caused by the crowd procedure or time count violations. And there seems to be a growing mystique in terms of the potential home field advantage here at IGF in spite of the, the tough start the first three or four years in this building, Bob. Yeah, I was going to say the first two or three years, you wouldn't have known it. It was mystifying. Doug Brown couldn't believe because I remember he wrote a column. He said, this is going to be home court advantage like we've never seen before because of the noise and everything else and the bombers were terrible the first couple of years at ig field but it's turned around greg you're right uh there's a, there's an atmosphere in the stadium here that uh, is kind of unique i think and very special and a lot of it has to do with the noise that cascades down from those uh um, what are they called, those things up there? We could call them a canopy if you'd like. Canopies, I've drawn a blank. It was canopies, that's what I was thinking of. So, yeah, it's, I think it's great. And I asked a lot of the players this week, is a home opener special? And they say, yeah, it is. Yeah, we want to establish the fact that this is our turf and you can't come in here and, you know, cr uh, commit any crimes on our turf. We won't allow it. So, yeah, I think home openers are key. And this stadium, the stadium should be, Oh, how many points it's worth? Three, five points a game, six a game? Ed, what do you think? Well, I think the Bombers are favored by four, four and a half from the last time I checked the Vegas odds. And usually the home team gets three points no matter what. So I think there's something building here. You know, the Bombers, I believe, were six and three at home last year, six and three the year before. Uh, and compared to those numbers that we talked about when this place first opened, that's pretty good. I think that the really dominant teams are like the Bombers of the mid-80s, early 90s, that 
you never went into Winnipeg Stadium and won. And it was just, the part of that was the mystique. The visitor's dressing room was a dungeon and, you know, the, the, the hot, there was no hot water. And it was just, uh, the visitors hated coming and they were in a bad mood when they got off the bus. And I, I think that's starting to develop here. The amenities are a little bit nicer for the visitors, but I, I think uh, the fact that the football team's a lot more uh, exciting to watch. There's been more people here to come watch. I think that part, that's part of the mystique as well. I'm sure we have lots of plumbers and steam fitters and electricians that listen to the podcast. We wouldn't want to elicit any illegal activity, but, you know, if we wanted to make it uncomfortable for the visiting team. You know where the stadium is. We're at University of Manitoba. I'm not saying anything else. Gentlemen, thanks for doing this. I know Doug appreciates it as he uh, fishes away up at Aikens Lake, enjoying uh, some beautiful Manitoba summertime. And we look forward to the call on Thursday night. Thanks, Bob. Okay, my pleasure, Greg. And a reminder to everybody, despite what you may hear, there's lots of parking available around this stadium. People say there isn't, but there is. You just have to look for it. You, you can take the bus if you want, or you can park if you want. Ed, I'll see you at halftime on Thursday. No, Greg, you won't. I'm sorry. My youngest boy is graduating from high school. and I won't be there. I'm, I'm going to try to get over here as quick as I can from uh, the convention center after the big dinner. Well, I might be talking to myself at halftime on Thursday. Bob? <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in, downloading, sharing, and of course, subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. And if you give us a rating, I think our ratings might go just up a little bit based on our guest host this week. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you Thursday. The Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.